lacrosse fans to the Utah Lax Report. I'm Tim Haslam. My interview today is with UVU head coach Brian Barnhill. We talk a lot about the UVU program, what they've been up to, sort of what their culture has been like, and ultimately Coach Barnhill's transition from never having played lacrosse, never uh, seeing lacrosse, to becoming a head coach at a, at a local college, and sort of what he thinks the future of uh, UVU lacrosse might look like. Uh, in, in the newsletter also, we talked about the Wasatch Invitational, the Aloha Tournaments, and a couple other news and notes uh, that you should definitely check out at utahlaxreport.substack.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, and also leave us a, a review if you feel so inclined. Here's the interview with Coach Barnell. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you? Great, Tim. Good to be with you. You too. Thanks. I, I, I was thinking about this uh, before we recorded. I think I've known you for probably, geez, pushing eight or nine years and uh, always fun to talk to you. Always, always good catching up. You've always been one of, uh, you know, a supporter of me and I appreciate that. So I, I just wanted to say thanks and uh, happy to talk to you. Well, Sam, feeling mutual. I've always appreciated your support for not only me, but for our family as well. Yeah, you know, so for those, for those out there, uh, Coach Barnhill's son, Mason, uh, was a was a star at, at uh, Alta. Did he go to Corner Canyon? I can't remember. It was just yeah, he was the first year. Yeah, first okay. year at Corner Canyon. That's right. And so, uh, definitely one of the the early Chargers to lead the team. Can you believe their success that they're having? Uh, well, <laughs> sort like, of, right? I, sort <laughs> of. Yeah, we 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 can see we have there's a lot of talent in that area, and we were we we knew there was a good opportunity. And I'll tell you, Coach Eek has really kind of run with it. Uh, give cre- credit to Mark Davis for laying a strong foundation, and, and Coach Eek has really run with it. And he's got some talented players. It's really fun to see. Uh, so, so for those for those out there listening, how how did you get into lacrosse? Well, it started really when my son got bored with baseball, and it's not a knock on baseball. It was just his attention span didn't lend itself to little league baseball, and. Uh, we were in Deer Valley, saw some people throwing the crossballs around, and we thought that looked pretty cool. Tracked, tracked it down, went into Tribal West, got some sticks, and then it just we, we learned of the spring lacrosse. And, and when I showed up uh, the first day, I was curious to see how the sport was played. And, and they, they had, the coach at the time had said, look, I need assistant coaches. And I had coached football and baseball and basketball. And I knew, I knew coaching, but I didn't know the sport. And he, he said, look, just help me run the practices, be with the kids, just coach in general, and I'll teach you the rules. That's where it started. And then I just fell in love with it. And I love the pace. I love the spacing. I, I love the physica- physicality of it, uh, the finesse of it. And, and so it's just one of those things, it just, I just naturally, uh, it just drew me in over the course of time. And, and, and so, so as so as yeah, so I kind of followed Mason as he as he grew. I tried not to coach him specifically because I wanted him to get other voices other than myself. But as he went up through the, uh, the youth lacrosse and into high school, I kind of followed. So when he went at, to Alta, I I coached JV rather than the varsity where he was playing varsity. Just again, just to be a part of the part of the uh, the program and be with the sport. And then uh, Coach Davis is able to coach him up and Coach Walton at uh, at alta okay and and so then uh you know mason graduates did you still coach uh at alta corner canyon or or is that when you made the transition to uvu well i started todd arbin and i 
started the program at Corner Canyon with with Mark Davis. And so I knew going into it that I was going to be there Mason's first year, but I'd made a commitment that I would stay one year beyond when he left because I wanted to kind of set I wanted to kind of set a, a tone of this is more than just being about your own players. This be this build a program, and I kind of wanted to set that tone. So when he graduated, I I, I was the uh, the chair or the president the next year, and while I was running that, um, we we hosted the state championship there the year before, and then Gray Burbage was asked at that time to to take over at UVU uh, by Tom James, and so I. Yeah, and I was just talking to him in passing. I thought, what a great opportunity, Bray. You're going to do a great job. He said, well, really, I need some help. I need some coaches. Would you be interested? And that's really kind of when I got involved with UVU. Okay. And and so you go down there with Bray and, and start coaching. Uh, he eventually leaves. Did did you want to become the home head coach? Uh, was that something that, that you kind of had your eye on, or did it kind of just happen? It more just happened. It was Bray just saying, look, I uh, he the second year – when he started the second year, he said, I think this is going to be my last year. Uh, I'd like you, to, he kind of said, I'd like you to take over if you, if you wouldn't mind at the end of the year. And so we kind of knew that transition was coming. We didn't tell the players or anybody so that they could focus on the season. But Brad made up his mind. I think, and, you know, he had some younger kids that were in high school and he wanted to get back with them and, and be part of their, uh, part of their uh, lacrosse experience in high school. So it was one of those things just fell in my lap. I thought it was a great opportunity and, and, you know, if you'd asked me 10 years ago if you thought I'd be if I thought I'd be coaching college across, the answer would have been no, there's no way. <laughs> but it's turned out to be a great experience. I'm very happy. And they just can't kick you off the field, can they? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> they're gonna have to they're gonna have to pull me away from it. That's right. What what do you love most about it? Well, for me it's about the relationships. I, I love the relationships with the players, with the coaches. And I like the aspect of building a culture that's more than just wins and losses so that the, the players leave. And it, this goes back to when we were in high school and, and youth lacrosse and carries over into UVU, that when they leave, they feel like they've got some friends or teammates that are there for them for life. And that's what we're trying to build at UVU. One of the challenges at UVU is it's more of a commuter school and we don't have that campus setting. So we really try to drive home the fact that you guys are each other's best resources in life past past college so if something happens later in life our hope is that they've got a strong enough relationship that the first people they reach out to are their lacrosse teammates and, and <clears throat> excuse me i'll let that out uh, where where does this come from what or i guess like what what tools have you used what what uh, resources have you used to to sort of ingrain this culture or build this culture with the team? Um, well, the source of it, again, goes back really more in the high school part where we really kind of focused on brotherhood and teamwork. And it was something that we developed as part of a program at both Alta and Corner Canyon. And then we carried, then when I, uh, when Bray and I were coaching at UVU, we wanted to bring that same sense because they're, again, we were trying to make a transition from when, when we first showed up to being uh, just a lacrosse club where it was really relaxed and people were doing what they wanted to do. It, you know, they had some good coaching and they were doing well, but we knew that their talent pool, there's, uh, there's a, a great talent pool here in Utah that wasn't being utilized. And I felt like the players didn't see it as a viable alternative to whether it was Westminster, Westminster or some other 
NCAA D2 or D3 school that was out there or even a D1 school. So we wanted to create a, a viable option for Utah lacrosse players to come and play lacrosse and have a very competitive experience that may not have had the, the academics at, to enter BYU or the finances for Westminster, or maybe you know, they just weren't recruited and they were they lost in the shuffle somehow. So we, we wanted to build that at UVU when Bray and I first started. And then you when you're going through the, the, the coaching education process, I guess, over the course of years, you learn that the, one of the foundations to any successful lacrosse program is you have to have an identifiable, strong culture that, that the players can rely on. They know that's there and they know there's an expectation and they've got to meet that expectation coming into the program. And then you can kind of build from that. Without that foundation, uh, there's too much turmoil year to year and there's too many questions to really maintain any kind of continuity and rosters from year to year. And, and so, um, you know, is that, is that something that you talk to w when a kid is looking at, at UVU? I'm, I'm assuming that this is something that you bring up right out of the gate, right? You know, yeah. they may be asking about facilities or, or something like that, but, but you're probably talking more along the lines of this is, this is kind of how we do things. These are our expectations. Yeah, one of the mantras Coach Westcott likes to say is we do, we do more with less. We don't have the facilities of a lot of places. We don't have a campus setting, but we, we do more with what we have and we have guys that are committed to that. So that is an initial conversation. Whenever you're talking to someone who's looking at school, I, I wanna be clear, one of the first things is make sure the school is right for you. Don't just come to UVU for lacrosse, make sure the school is right for what you want to accomplish in life. And if, that's, if that meets that criteria, now let's talk about lacrosse and what's involved, what your commitment's going to be, and what you can expect in return for participating or being a member of our lacrosse team. That's, that's how we try to present it. It's, uh, I, I don't, at least my, my personal opinion is, uh, you can't, you don't wanna get into that overpromise situation where you're telling them that they're the greatest thing ever and you draw them there and they don't have the majors they're interested in, they don't have the type of, the classes that they want. It just, it's, it lends itself to a bad experience uh, for, for everyone involved. Sure. We've tried to avoid that by being, being very candid with everybody that's coming to UVU. Uh, let, let's, let's uh, you know, so we're talking about the program and let, let's talk more about some of the, some of the specifics of, of this past year. So, uh, you know, UVU, like everyone else, got uh, their season cut short last, last year. Um, walk, walk, kind of walk us through, you know, maybe not necessarily March, April, May, but, but what are some things that maybe happened this, this summer? And then what are you guys up to this fall? Well, let me set the setting then. I think this may be the experience of most most college teams this past this past years. We you start to hear the rumblings that things are going to shut down or other schools aren't participating. They have to close down due to COVID. And as a coach and as a team, and you're still active, but others are not. You have to you still have to practice and plan. Like you you have a game next day. We were we had a a. Uh, a trip scheduled that week that we, we ultimately had to cancel last minute. And so the week leading up to our cancellation, we had, we were maintaining our practices. Even the night before our, our departure date, we were saying, we're still on, plan on it, let's have a good practice, stay focused. And then of course we get word the next day. So that left us very sudden, there was a sudden break because you obviously you've got this anticipation of games 
and now those are gone. And they, for the college athlete, all they want to do is compete. They're training to compete. Their mindset is I'm a competitor. I, I've trained. I want to go. Uh, I want to go against somebody else other than my brother across across the way here, and uh, to have that cut short. And then we can't even hold meetings. So it's a matter of phone calls, Zoom calls, trying to say, look, this is what's happening. Uh, we stay prepared over the course of summer. But then there's all these question marks that are still underlying. What are we going to have a fall season? Are we going to have a spring season? So it's hard to keep. And I'm sure this is this is the same for for all of the programs. It's hard to keep the guys focused on. Look, you can't you can't control those circumstances. All you can control right now is your preparation. Control that, and then we'll be better off as a program when the time comes, because it will come that we will have games. And so our struggle over the course of summer was keeping guys motivated and, and in that moment of stay prepared, keep your keep keep in shape, keep your stick sharp, um, and on top of everything else that's going on, whether whether it's quarantine or, um, you know, family members that are sick and all the different discussions that everybody's having. Sure. So it was, it was, it's a struggle. And I'm sure we were not alone. I'm sure it was true for everybody. Yeah. So are, are you guys are practicing now then? Yeah, we've, uh, UVU has been very supportive of our program and program really the programs in general. We've, we've followed the Western athletic conference as far as determination for fall sports being pushed mm -hmm. to spring uh, and I think they'll mirror whatever the Western Athletic Conference does for UVU. Uh, right now, we have a green light, everything for spring. I, I don't have any reason to believe that we won't have a spring season. Mm -hmm. There might be other schools that, that we have on our schedule that may not be able to participate. But um, for right now, we're planning on our spring season. And, and so to me, that's that's interesting because uh, UVU is, uh, when you say Western Athletic Conference, you know, the WAC. Um, it, it's a whack school, but uh, you guys, you know, aren't our are, are club in that system. And so it's, it's interesting to me that even though that's the case that sort of their governing rules are still uh, are, are, you know, basically what you have to abide by, which, which I think is interesting. Um, not not yeah, that bad or good, but. <laughs> no. And then if, if you think about it, it makes sense because you don't want to have the, the, the NCAA soccer team out practicing until the lacrosse team or, whether it's men's rugby that they can't practice, but they're seeing the other athletes practice. So sure. I think that, that keeps some continuity and keeps the, again, the athletes, the frame of mind in, in the best place. Sure. Uh, talk about your assistant coach, coaches. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, coach Westcott, that's Marty Westcott. Uh, who else do you have on staff with you down there? So I have uh, coach Westcott. He, he is our, he's the associate head coach and offensive coordinator. He's been coaching longer than I, I, God, I don't even know how long. It's been over 30 years or something. So he is the source of information. He's, he, he runs a, a great offense, does a great job, and he loves, he loves coaching and he loves the kids. He loves the process. So it's really fun to have him, him on staff. Uh, Todd Arbin, he, he's also on the offensive side, and he, is, he has a great eye for athleticism and for athletes. So we're, again, fortunate to have uh, Todd on our staff. On um, the defensive side, we have uh, Coach Carl Cooney. He's been with me for, well, all six years that I've been there, he's been there. And so we've been through the trenches together, seeing the recruits come and go. And we've got some of our, our defensive uh, anchors are, you know, they go back to the start with us. And Kevin Blossel has joined the staff. And he's uh, he's working on the defensive side with Coach Cooney. And he He's a younger guy, and he just has a, a, a passion for lacrosse that just is 
well, it's felt by all of the players and he, it's just translated in his manner of speaking and his, his mannerisms. He's just excited to be on the field and be with the guys. And yeah, he's a fun guy to be around. Um, I have Steve Heyman, who's been with us for a couple of years. Um, I think we're going in our third year together. Uh, he runs all of our social media as a side note, but on the field, he's, he's a, he's a leadership guy. He is a co he can coach any side, whether it's offense, defense. I've asked him to focus really on the face-off unit, uh, wings, the face-off X, um, and really put in some, some quality time coaching there, and he's done a great job with it. Uh, we really saw a vast improvement last year when he transitioned to that, that position. Uh, we really improved at that at the X. And then Scott Sutherland joined our staff late last year and has continued on this year, and he's just focused just on the face-off athletes at this point. Uh, we'll probably have him running our box in spring. So that's our, that's our coaching staff. The, the age range is from 24 to, well, probably older than we should, we should really acknowledge. But. <laughs> I won't ask you your age, coach. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, so I, so for the, I want to, I want to ask my next question for, you know, other coaches out there who may be listening, how much, how much time do you spend as a coaching staff, you know, doing, doing practice plans or meeting or talking about players or this and that? Okay, uh, so we're we're a club program, so we all have our jobs outside of lacrosse. But I can tell you, it it's it's more than you would expect. So on a daily basis, I know for myself, I'll spend an hour to two hours a day outside of practice, whether it's practice plans or working with the administration or our interrails or other coaches, just kind of coordinating and making sure we've got some place to practice, some some place to be. We've got the equipment we need, etc budgets, all of those things. As a staff, we'll spend beyond that hour to two hours I spend on a daily basis, we'll spend an additional half hour to 45 minutes uh, on a practice day outside of practice, going through our practice plan and making sure we've got the right plan in place and talking about players, uh, concerns of players, uh, injuries, making sure we know who needs what attention. And uh, then we've got our two hour practice on top of it. So during, like, during the fall, I'll probably, in the course of a day, spend about four hours, four to five hours working on lacrosse, even though it's not my primary job. So don't tell my wife. Because <laughs> it takes away from, from the office. But um, I feel fortunate to be able to, to put the time into it that's needed. And, and you know, same with my other coaches. We're, we'll, they put in a lot of time into this. I, I think anyone listening to the podcast will will understand your point of view. So I don't know that any excuses will need to be made. <laughs> okay, good. Made good. I, th th that's true. <laughs> um, so then with the players, how much time are you spending? Uh, you, you mentioned a two-hour practice. Um, how much time are you spending outside of practice with them, either, you know, through a Zoom meeting or on the phone or, or in person or just working on, you know, them as a person, but also a lacrosse player? So we try to delegate that because we've got our numbers have grown. When we, when I first started, we were, we probably had twenty to twenty four players at, at any given time. Now we've got sixty six to sixty seven guys that are on our fall roster right now. We'll have to pare that down come spring. So we have to parse that out a little bit. Uh, so Coach Heyman, I know, is working with a, a number of our guys on leadership items, and they'll email, exchange emails. Um, answering questions, trying to build a leadership program within our, within our team. Uh, Coach Westcott talks to a number of different players. It's, it's really, 
I guess the best way to answer it is we've all taken certain players and divided them up between us and we try to focus on our communication with those players to make sure they we understand whether it's you know if they're not showing up is it is it because they're sick or is there something else going on in their life that, that needs attention are there academics where they need to be and so it's the only way to manage it really is to divide it divide and conquer and and that makes sense you know and, and certain players have uh connect with certain coaches certain ways um yes right so, so that that definitely makes sense what uh assuming you know we're gonna we're gonna be positive and assume that the the spring season happens what um what 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 are typically some of the the goals or objectives that come out of uh uv lacrosse for a for a typical spring well we start off with a, a meeting really to, the players have to determine what their goal is for the year it can't come top down it's got to be player driven if they don't buy in it's it's it all becomes just just a verbal exercise rather than translating it into real meaning on the field so we have a meeting to determine what their goal is for that season and we've had the discussions early on in the fall to build our fall practices toward that but we'll really hammer it hammer it come first of spring okay if that's your goal this is what's going to be required of you and, and then we we try to fashion our practices after that so right in our early discussions they all center around conference championship. That's, that's, that's the goal of UVU. UVU has not had a conference championship. We've been in the conference finals, haven't made that happen. So that's the goal. And you cross that, then, then whatever happens after that, that's what happens. So we, we try to just focus on the one. So we manage that. And with that understanding, we manage our early games as a, as a ramp up toward our conference play. As much as you want to go undefeated during a season, the early games, maybe more about building and understanding where your team's at, regardless of a win or a loss. Uh, but when it comes to April, we better, we have better learned those lessons in February and March. So we don't make the mistakes uh, from February, March in, a, in our April games. And, and that makes sense. And for those, for those listening, uh, UVU plays in what's, um, in the MCLA circle, it's known as one of the tougher conferences. I think the, the SLC has, proven that it's, it's probably the tougher conference. I may face feedback on that, but um, so, so to have that right out of gate as a goal is, is obviously a challenge, right? It, it's probably something that, like you mentioned, UVU hasn't done um, in, the, in the MCLA D1 level. And so to have that as a challenge right out of gate is um, and, and probably more than most teams. Um, you know, most teams aren't, aren't competing for that. And so the fact that you did compete for a conference title is is impressive. Um, when it comes to captains, are so, you know some teams will choose, or the coaches will choose, or the players will choose, or some sort of mix. How does how does UVU select captains? So we have traditionally had because we were trying to build a culture, we were trying to develop some leadership, so it would continue from year to year. The coaches had selected the captains. This year uh, we haven't announced it, so but I'll announce it now. We're, our players will pick the captains this year. Um, we want to make that transition now. We feel like there's enough uh, of the uh, enough, enough presence of the culture that the players start to get. Okay, this is what we stand for, and these are the kind of guys who will, will help us lead us in the right direction. And and uh, you know, I, I think that that's that's an important piece of that is is when the the players do pick the captains. Um, you know, there, I think there's a little bit more of a bond, a bond there. If I were coaching uh, at, at that level, I think I'd do the same. Um, 
I don't, yeah, I don't want it, 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 it's an important dynamic you get and you get a, you have to realize I, I'm with you but you also have to realize if you're trying to build something there's going to be situations and this may be directed more to the other coaches where you might have to say you know what I, I need I need to pick some guys who are going to reflect what we want to stand for and they may not be the most popular guys on the team, but they do reflect your core value. For example, one of ours is one of our rules is you have to give 100% effort whenever you step across the line, and it's all practice. We're running to we're running from drill to drill, and the best player may not be doing that every time. But you might have you know a, a second or a third a second line midi who's doing it, and maybe he serves as a better captain, as a better example of that principle. So I just want to be clear. I'm with you. I think it's great when the players can do it, but early on when you're trying to set that precedent. You, some coaches, like we, we chose to do it that way, is select the players that would reflect the values so until we get to the point we feel like it's instilled and it's a strong enough uh, uh, principle that, it, that the players have bought into it. I like that, and, and I think it makes perfect sense, <laughs> right? Um, talk, talk about uh, just kind of the team as a whole. I don't know that we need to talk about players, but, um, you know, a, a fan comes out to watch a UVU game. What what are they gonna What are they gonna leave uh, the game with? What What'll be their takeaway? So, uh, what we hope that you'll see is some quality lacrosse. We have some very strong uh, lacrosse IQ players on our team. This comes from, and they've been playing for years and years, and they've gotten some great coaching through Coach Westcott. So, offensively, I think you'll see an efficient. Uh, very fast offense. But when I say very fast, it does not mean chaotic. There's a fast and there's chaos. This is a fast with purpose. Um, on the defensive side, you're gonna see disciplined defense. You're gonna see strong um, st strong communication from our defense. And that's, you know, from a young player's perspective, if, you're, if a young player comes out to our, whether it's our practices or our games, they should be able to sit on the sidelines and, and hear exactly what's being said on the defensive side of the ball. And that helps create a stronger, uh, you know, a stronger defensive unit. Um, so I, I think what they're going to see is some good quality across both on both sides of the ball, and, and then, you know, players are going to make mistakes, mistakes, and I and I think they'll also see that these players are good at putting those mistakes behind them and moving on to the next play. Last uh, last question here, coach, before we wrap up, what what's been uh, your favorite lacrosse memory? Well, there's been a lot, but I'll say that, you know, the first, so when I first started, my first college game was an away game at Grand Canyon University, and, and Bray Burbage could not make that game, so I was the head coach for the very first game, and I had no idea what to expect, and it was not at Grand Canyon's home field, it was a neutral site game, and whether, you know, what are my responsibilities, what are his responsibilities, I had no idea. And uh, we ended up winning that game in overtime, and and it was just one of those experiences. They're like, okay, this this is this is fun. I, I want to stick around for this. I don't want to I don't want to miss another one of these. And and, and then the, if you've ever listened, I'm sure it's archived somewhere on YouTube. TJ gave the call for that game. He was doing the online streaming, and at the end of the game, get let out this loud yeehaw at the end of the game. <laughs> that was so fitting. This little team, this little team from UVU, which which really I think Manny uh, Coach Rapkin was expecting this as a warm up game, uh, came in surprised him, and it was it was a good experience. They were they were ranked number one at the time, so it was a big upset. And um, let's see, I'm I'm look I'm on the MCLA website. 
did they win it the year before or did they yeah okay yeah they won the national chance so they're coming off their national championship and, right. that, and that's why it was i think it was it was a little bit kind of a little bit by surprise well i think it took the whole mcla community by surprise coach <laughs> <laughs> i love it me probably prob- me, me probably more than anybody else <laughs> <laughs> that's right any anything else you want to talk about I, you know, I, I don't, who, I really want to, I guess the only thing I want to stress is, you know, now that the sport of lacrosse is sanctioned in, in high schools, it's really going to take a, a broad community effort to give the support to the, uh, the, the newer programs, getting people involved, not, don't be afraid to jump in and help out. If you've had any experience coaching at all, most lacrosse coaches will take the time to help educate you. They just need people there to help them. And it's, that's really what got me started. And it was, it's turned into a lifelong passion. And so I'd encourage others, if, if that opportunity arises, don't hesitate to jump on it. Uh, you won't regret it. You'll, you'll learn some things. You'll, you'll make some friends. You'll, you'll impact a, a boy's life more, more than you know. Um, so I, I'd say just, you know, I, I just want to make sure that people understand that you don't have to have a PhD in lacrosse. And you don't have to play college lacrosse to get, in, get into the sport and start coaching. And, and I mean, you're the perfect example of that, right? Um, yeah. Never, never played. Did, did you play high school sports? I played football, baseball. Um, okay. And then I got into racquetball, which is completely separate. But, you know, at the time <laughs> in the 80s, it was a big deal. Um, <laughs> so hold on. Did they have high school racquetball? No, I played in college. I played for the U. And, and I actually, so I'll pat myself back. I made it to the Olympic. It was going to be a demonstration sport for the Olympics. And I made it to the Olympic uh, tryouts. And we lost in the, it was a best of three. We came one game short to make it to the, uh, to the Olympics. And, my, and, my partner, it was a doubles. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking of, uh, did, did they have racquetball courts in, in like Hyper? Is that? Yeah, okay. Hyper East. Yep. Okay. That, was, that was my home for a while. Wow. Okay. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll end the show. Thanks, Coach Barnhill, for coming on. And be sure to follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you do your social media. Good luck to the Wolverines this season. Again, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.